And so sometimes when a baby gets upset, what do they do? They want to they want to get out of their situation. What do they do? What's that mean? It means pick me up. Sometimes they do they get lazy. They do do one hand. And if you don't pick him up because he's upset or he's sad, he starts doing the squealing and gets upset more and more and more. And why is that? It's not because he does we don't love him. It's not because that his situation is bad. It's because he's stressed and he is not ready for that environment. He wants a change. So today I'm going to talk to you today about pick me up. About a pick me up. We all sometimes need a pick me up. In our life, in our circumstances, whenever it gets tough, whenever circumstances around us are stressful, sometimes we see our situation as there's no way out. We see it as the biggest problem and the biggest thing in our life, and we can't get over that. The biggest mountain to climb, and sometimes we need a pick me up. That's exactly what we do in Fuzz for ID. It's that pick me up. That's why Charlie gets upset when he's on the ground. He needs a pick me up and change of perspective. And sometimes we need that as well. Because why? Life is tough. When Jesus, it would have been really nice when Jesus was ascending back into heaven and he said, hey, guess what, guys? You're followers of me. Everything is going to be easy now. Everything's going to be rivers of life, daisies. You know. mm. Almost missed my mouth. That would have been really embarrassing. Life gets tough. And when we get so caught up in what's around us and in our circumstances, we can't see anything past that. So when your life gets tough, what do you do? You need to pick me up. You need to pick me up. So let's talk about the scripture today. Who else in the Bible that we know that needs a pick-me-up? Well, I started doing some research, and I started praying, and I came across a story in Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33, which talks about Jesus and Peter walking on the water. And so let's get into it. It says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took him and, and, and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Lord, we thank you for this day. And Lord, we just pray that you just enlighten this passage today for us. Lord, let us not just read scripture. Let us observe the scripture. Let us find the application and part of it. And then let us pray for you to make that a real reality in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this passage of scripture, in Matthew 14, Jesus had just finished feeding the 5,000. And he went, and he, when he finished feeding them, he told the disciples to go over across the sea for the next part of the next season of Jesus' ministry. Well, these are trained, well-trained seamen. These are well-trained, like, sailors, all right? They know when there might be a storm on the horizon. You guys have heard the old tale if a Red Sea at night, sailors delight. Red Sea in the morning, sailors morning. So these, and there, and I read a whole bunch of stuff. I'm not going to bore you, but there is some actual, like, legitimate physical evidence that that is actually true. Because we looked it up yesterday. It was pretty cool. But these are trained men. They know when it's going to be a little rock. And Jesus, being all-knowing, being the omniscient God he is, knew that there was going to be a storm that he was going to have a teaching moment for. And so the disciples, having the faith to get in the boat and start on their way to go to the other side, and then Jesus did something. Jesus went onto the mountain to pray. He was praying until night. And so we see Jesus is fully God and fully man. Jesus needed to pick me up from his heavenly father. Now, that's, that's hard to see because he is fully God. But so he, when you're blessing and when you're talking to 5,000 people and you are preaching up a storm and you're, you're telling them all about, you know, you, you know, your whitewashed tombs or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like he's getting after it. And Jesus sometimes is expelling all of this stuff. And then his miracle of feeding the 5,000, he was probably human exhausted. And so he need that pick-me-up from his heavenly father. He just reached up and say, pick me up, right? But God, being all-knowing and all-omniscient, he sent the disciples off, and they had faith. And fully knowing that there was going to be a storm, but a teaching moment at the same time. So when they get in there, and he was praying, he's done, the fourth hour means just like 3 a.m. or something like that, or roughly. It's just, it's late at night. And so when sometimes, how many of y'all have been woken up by God at 3 a.m.? I know why now. I felt, I feel like God told me this. He's like, I, I was praying at 3 a.m. So I'm going to wake you up. I'm, you're going to pray at 3 a.m. and talk to your father. I'm like, okay, so you wake me up at 3 a.m. Great. And you give me just, Get on and like I'll, I'll pray and like, but put me back to sleep and have a good be a good night. And God always does. And so Jesus is praying at night and then starts walking on the water. And the first thing that these guys say, they're like, "Oh, dude, that's a ghost." 
Jesus or the Son of God didn't even come to their minds. It was like, no, that's, that's got to be a ghost. I don't know. And then Peter says this. He says, like, or Jesus says, like, spoke to them, have peace. It's okay. And Jesus like, and Peter's like, no, no, bro. If it is you, you tell me to come to you. And he said, all right, come on. And so Peter did the one most important thing of faith that he had. He stepped out of the boat. And then he said, the Bible says he said he started walking. Now, I think walking is more than just two baby steps. I'm thinking that he is walking. And while he's walking, what's he doing? He is not looking to the left or to the right. He is looking straight ahead at Jesus. Because you want to know why? Jesus is the ultimate uh, healer and the ultimate person that we should be focusing on. When we are walking and we are looking to the side to the side, you're not walking in a straight line. You're walking all over here, okay? But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, now I'm telling you, I know I'm being a little silly, but hey, you walk towards Jesus, keep your eyes focused on him, you will not waver. You will not fall to the left or to the right because you walk towards your purpose, you walk towards your Savior, you walk towards your healer, and he will answer you. So what happens when Peter starts looking at the situation around him, looks at his circumstances, that he starts to sink and fall. Why? Because he took his eyes off of Jesus. When Charlie gets upset, he's really sweet. Again, he does a little, you know, he's upset. He's on the ground, and he's just, he's playing with his toys. He's getting, he's, uh, I'm ready to get up kind of thing. And, and he's playing there. And then all I do is like, hey, Charlie, hey, look at me. Look at Daddy. And then the biggest smile is on his face. Why? Because he took his eyes off the person that he loves and started looking at his situation around him. If you take your eyes off of Jesus and look at the stuff around, there's a lot of stuff going on. Life gets hard. Sometimes there's a, there's a boss that is not really good, that is, doesn't have integrity. Sometimes, how many of you guys get like text messages and like emails from these politicians? Like, Lord bless you, Lord send your person that you need in there, but stop texting me three times a day. Like, there's there's a lot of stuff that we have no idea what's going on. We have no idea what's going on, and, and we are worried about our situation because we have taken our eyes off of Jesus. And when you pick Charlie up and when he looks at you and you're like, hey, it's okay. Sometimes God is telling us it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. Not, don't worry about what's around you. Don't worry about what comes next or who you're going to see or what's going to change in your life for the next season because God is in control of your life. God is in control. And when you allow him to be in control, then you have the peace that you don't have to worry about everything. Now, we, all, now we still do. We still do. But we don't have to. We don't have to. When I read this passage, I see three things. I see three different things that Jesus is trying to get us to understand about a pick-me-up. Number one I see is this. G. Whoops, sorry. Sorry, Tyler. That's number two. 
Okay. Jesus is our Savior. When Peter stepped out of the boat, started walking towards Jesus, he was fine. When he started looking at his situation around him, then he started to, started to sink. And then what did he say? Jesus, save me. And he reached out his hand and said, Jesus, save me. And a lot of times when Charlie is upset and he's down and he's playing on his, on, on his, with his toys, with his stuffed animals, he reaches up and I'm thinking, he's saying, Daddy, I need to be saved. You need to save me. Peter was saved by Jesus. So Jesus is our Savior. He saves us. He doesn't let us sink all the way. He doesn't let us go. He's not a bad father. We sung this morning that he is a good, good father. He is our Savior, number one. Number two is this. Jesus is our comforter. When Peter sunk and Jesus saved him, Jesus could have just patted him on the back, sent him back to the boat, and he would have been fine. But no, Jesus got him up, walked with Peter back to the boat, and comforted Peter. Because I'm sure that is a really, really scary experience. Walking out in the storm, being completely alone, looking towards Jesus, but then seeing the waters and seeing the waves around you, and Jesus comforted Peter, walked with him back to the boat. When when Charlie, when we pick Charlie up and he's upset, he's on the ground. How many we got parents in here, right? Grandparents? Y'all know y'all y'all understand what I'm saying. When you pick your baby up, that baby is loved. That baby is saved. You comfort that baby. Charlie, it's okay. It's all right, buddy. Daddy's here. Or I'm sorry, here's your mother. You know, sometimes it has to be that. Jesus does the same to us. When he picks us up, he, he saves us, he comforts us, and he does this. It's a weird thing that happens. And I coined, Jesus is our perspective changer. Now, this one gets a little good, gets a little bit better, okay? He is our perspective changer. When a baby is on the ground and they are upset, they see their stuffed animals. They're huge. They see everything around them, and it's, it's stressful. You know, they don't know. They don't know if I'm going to be mean to them or, or, or a stranger alert, stranger danger. Everything to them is small. And when you pick a child up, you pick them up, and guess where they are? They're on your level. They see things now you how you see them. They see the world as if you were seeing it for yourself because they are no longer looking up at it. They are looking down at your perspective. So when we need a perspective change and we get a hold of Jesus, Jesus can lift us up. And now our situations around us doesn't mean as much as what they did. Our situations around us are no longer tied to our value. They're no longer tied to our purpose because we see them as if God was seeing them because he is our perspective changer. When you go, how many of you guys grew up in a house that you moved away from or even a tree or a tree house and you moved away and then you came back as an adult and you say these words, I remember it being bigger. Been there, done that? Yeah. 
I remember it being bigger. Well, why is that? As a child, you see things as a child. As a baby, you see things from a different perspective. As you grow older in stature, as you grow older in knowledge, then you start seeing things as if you were an adult as you are now. You don't see things as if you were Charlie's age. You see things as if you're Austin's age or your age. Because no longer what used to define you, what used to be your circumstances around you, if you get a hold of Jesus, you see things in a completely different way. Because now you are tied in to the to the DNA of Jesus. And he is in control. He will be your perspective changer. I love Charlie. Charlie's my inspiration for this sermon as you can tell because as a father you it completely changes you you really see things in a new way and now as a, as a father i now see things that god may see us because we are his children and we are supposed to be like children have children like faith to run to god in everything that we do and if we are his children. He is our father. He is our good father. Now I get a glimpse of what he may be thinking, what he may be like. Because now when I think about my circumstances and in my place and in my town, I now think of it as like, well, how God would think of it is it's just an opportunity to minister. It's an opportunity to grow. Everything is not bad. Now, you may be saying, Pastor Barry, you don't know my situation. You don't know my circumstances. You don't know my school. You don't know my church. You don't, well, I do know your church. You don't, you don't know my work. You don't know my family. You don't know my community. No, but God does. And praise God, I'm not God, and I can just point you to him because he knows everything. He knows right where you are. He knows how to help. He knows how to minister to you. He knows how to equip you with the disciplines that is important for the next season of your life. You see, I'm going to bring everything back home, all back to these students, because this is, that's my heart, these students. The reason why we do ID is not so that we can win a prize. The reason why we do ID is so that these disciplines in their life, like praying, reading the Bible, scripture memorization, tithing, it's not so that they can be really good tithers and really good at BGMC. It's so that when they become young adults, when they become senior adults, they can teach the next generation because seasons of life change every week, it feels like. And if my job as a youth pastor is not equipping and giving the students the tools needed for their ministry, then I have failed. I'm going to tell you another story. I thought about this last night. In high school, I was a, I was a part of a lot of a lot of high school and competitive teams. And if you're really good, you have to do what? You have to try out for the good teams. And we had this one tryout for baseball. This was right before high school, and we had this student that came. His name was Ryan Acker. Ryan was a really fun kid. He was awesome. He was great. He had one problem. When he got a hold of the bat, he swung the bat, and my coach said, how many times have you swung this bat? 
he said twice. He's like, and you're trying out for the high school baseball team. And he said, yeah, yeah. How many times have you played catch just a few minutes ago? One time. And as I think about this story, I'm thinking about, you know, dude, he made the team, by the way. He did. We were desperate. They did take me to. We took him on the team, and yet we he didn't have the tools necessary to be a part of the team. But yet, how 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 many of you, if I am unqualified as as that they can come to serve on Jesus's army, on the on Jesus's uh, cadet, I, I I am the least qualified. And how many of you know I got the opportunity and you got the opportunity? But we, he didn't have the tools. Ryan didn't have the tools to be able to play baseball. So he sat the bench most of the year. He practiced. He got to where he was finally put out in right field. Everybody, y'all know baseball. Right field is the least uh, active position on the field because everybody hits it to left field, especially me. Hit it a lot to left field. But he worked his way up and he became a starting right fielder for our team. He went from swinging the bat one or two times before tryouts to being one of the best uh, average hitters on our team. Why? Because he had the tools needed for that next season. And so as youth pastors, if I don't give the tools to our next generation, they will not be able to hit the ball. And so I have to be able to be prepared, and I'm not going to ask my students that I'm not willing to do myself, so I'm giving them the opportunity to swing and hit the home run that they need. And so as it all comes back full circle, we do it, we love it, our perspective needs to change. If I could have the worship team come back. My altar call is just three things. Real simple. We already talked about them. Jesus is our Savior. If you need to take care of business at these altars, if you have been playing church, if you have been like on the fence and you are not sure about whether you're a Christian or whether you want to serve God or not, how many of you guys know if, if you are not for Jesus on Jesus' team, you're on Satan's team because Satan owns the property that that fence is on. So you're there for Jesus or not. And if you need to take care of business, I want to encourage you. These altars are open. Jesus is our Savior, and he will meet you at these altars today. But if you say, like, well, Pastor Bear, I've already been saved. I've been saved for many years. I've been hurt in the past. I have some stuff going on in my life that I need to take care of business on. Jesus is also this. Number two, he is our comforter. And he will also meet you at these altars and take care of those needs and those pasts that have damaged your life. He will mend those wounds. He will mend those heartaches because Jesus is our comforter. And number three, Jesus will change your perspective if you allow him to these altars are open if you say to yourself any of those three things i need i need to be saved 
I need to rededicate. I need to be comforted. I need to be willing to let God take control and change my perspective. I ask you to come. Would you stand with us? We're going to enter into some worship and we're going to take care of business at this altar. If you have any of those, if any of those spoke to you, or if you just need to just get away and talk to God, these altars are open for that too. We need a pick-me-up. All we have to do is just ask. This is a sign of worship, right? It's a sign of God. I give all to you. I worship you. I'm here for you. I want you. It doesn't matter what you do or how you do it. Jesus will pick you up because you're reaching out to him. And as a good father, he will do it. He will pick you up.